Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Amen, our God. We love you so much. We're so grateful for what you've done. So grateful for your great plan of salvation. From creation, from eternity past, you had a plan to save us and rescue us and redeem us, a plan to make for a people for your very own. And we're humbled and we're honored that you'd call our name, that you'd write our name in that book of life. We're humbled and honored that we're going to be part of your kingdom forever and ever and ever. Lord God Almighty, thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for making us part of the people of God. Lord God Almighty, we ask that you'd come back. Lord Jesus, we ask that you'd come again. We ask that you'd establish your kingdom upon the earth as you promised. We ask, Lord, that that you would keep us safe. You'd protect us by your power until that day comes. Lord God Almighty, we ask that your worship would arise around the earth. More and more and more worshipers for your name. Lord God, start with us. Well up within us a desire to praise you and serve you and love you and give our lives to you. Surrender everything we are to you. For you're worthy, Lord God Almighty. You're worthy. You made us. We're yours. You've made us. We're yours. You saved us. We're yours. We're yours forever and ever and ever. Be magnified, Lord. Be praised. Be worshipped. Be lifted up in our sight. We give it all to you, Lord. Lord, as we open up the word, as we uh, go to the preaching of the word, we ask, Lord, that you, if the preacher says anything that's not of you, let it fall to the ground and die. <laughs> but Lord God, if, 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 as you speak through your word, we ask that you change us. Change us, Lord. Make us your people more fully. Change us. Transform us. Make us your church. Church that you're pleased with and proud of that glorifies and honors you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> you know, uh, on our, our plane ride home the other day, I had a lot of time to think, uh, and, and I was thinking about just all the, the things that God has allowed me to see, all the things that God has allowed me to uh, process over the, over the years, just the different trips I've taken to different countries. And uh, there's kind of a, I realized there's kind of a pattern in the people I was seeing. Um, wherever I've gone, I've, I've seen small struggling churches. Um, small struggling churches that are on the edge of culture, on the outside of culture, some of them that are being greatly persecuted. I remember when I went to Japan and I was able to hang out with some believers there. Uh, very small churches there, not very many people that, there in Japan that worship the Lord God. Uh, but there was a small church they went to with, with a buddy of mine. And uh, being within the church, just seeing the laughter and the joy of the brethren, seeing the laughter and joy of the people, but knowing that when they left that, that church building, when they left that fellowship, they were often ridiculed and, and, um, and run through the mud because they, they had a Western God as, as the view of the culture. Then when I went to Peru, you know, just seeing small struggling churches there in the Andes, uh, just our missionary there took us to places and we saw you know, single moms and, and people just living on nothing that were raising their hands in, in these huts, you know, these dirt floor places and just living for God and loving God with all they were, and, you know, in very simple ways. But they, they, in their villages, they're treated like trash and treated as, as uh, outsiders and not important. 
Um, you know, uh, going to Mexico a year and a half ago, and as we traveled through uh, various regions there, a least reached area, uh, people group area, um, again, the joy of the, of the brethren, the, the worship of, of God's people, they loved one another and they, they were rejoicing to their God, but, you know, they, out in the culture, they were bypassed for jobs. They were, they were ridiculed and scorned and, and, and just treated, treated poorly because of their, their following of the Lord Jesus and not following tradition, not following culture, not following their parents' coattails, but living for Jesus Christ. You see it again and again. Uh, the different places I went to in the Philippines, uh, especially in the southern island of, of Mindanao, where there's a lot of Muslims, uh, just, the, again, churches that are on the edge, churches that are marginalized, they're is kind of like what we're studying here, they're in exile. They, they're, 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 they're wanting to exalt God, but the surrounding peoples and the surrounding culture just hates them and despises them for their, for their beliefs and their, their truths and, and the things that they talk about and the things they believe. And even in Nicaragua, which is at, has a much higher evangelical uh, percentage of, of believers, to go against tradition and go against the culture, to go against your, your barrio's uh, values, it's, it's, it's dangerous and it's harsh and it's difficult. And, and I come back to the San Luis Valley, and I come back to a place that through uh, the, you know, the last century, there's been a lot of believers here. There's been a lot of worship of God here. There's been a lot of churches here. But driving around some of our, our places in our valley, you see all the empty churches. Or you see all the churches that are dwindling to nothing. Or all, all the churches that uh, you don't see children, or you don't see infants. You see elderly people that are soon going home to glory. They've run the race. They've been faithful into their 70s and 80s and 90s. They've done what the Lord has done, asked them to do. They've tried to be faithful as possible. But economic changes and cultural changes and shifts, we we're coming into a time in the San Luis Valley, like right now in our valley, if there's 50,000 people in our valley, uh, this Sunday morning there might be, you know, 1,000 people that are worshiping the Lord Jesus. They're, they're giving their life to Jesus, uh, Bible-believing Christians. And as, if trends continue, that number is going to shrink in the years ahead. And I look at all my experiences of going to different places, and I wonder what's going to happen in our valley. You know, maybe our water is taken or different things happen politically. They're capping in our valley. We don't know what's going to happen. But what's, what's going what's to happen is the church gets smaller and smaller and the dominant culture gets more and more worldly, more and more focused on the things of the earth, more and more focused on, on what the culture says is right and wrong. Uh, maybe we're going to find ourselves in that place of being a marginalized people, a small minority that, that stands for the values of heaven, that stands for the kingdom of heaven, that walks with Jesus, doing the best we can. But maybe we're going to find ourselves one day entering into a season of, of persecution or ridicule or mocking because we don't go with the culture, because we aren't living in, in the culture's preferred uh, value sets. Uh, very fascinating. In, in First Peter, just thinking about the people that he wrote to in the region of northern Turkey and in western Turkey, bunch of small churches on the edge of culture, as Pastor Bull said last week, a people in exile, as it were. They speak the same language, they dress the same, they eat the same foods, but they're treated as outsiders. They're treated as people that are not important because of the God they worship, because of the values they live by, the standards they walk by. 
And, and, and the question comes uh, for me, how, how will we live as a church faithfully to our God if we're no longer the majority? How will we be faithful to Jesus even if we become this, this small group of people that the culture does not appreciate? How will we please our Lord Jesus? How do we live in ways that honor him and glorify him <clears throat> when we're not the majority anymore and our voice isn't listened to anymore? So this, this is where we've been the last three weeks. We started with this, this letter that Peter wrote. And uh, he speaks to this. He speaks to us. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I pray that there's a revival in our valley. There's, there's, a, there's a, a lot of Christians in our valley that, that never darken the door of a church. They've been hurt. They've been, uh, I don't know, they've gone through some churches where there's been some splits or some difficult things that have happened. And they don't want to, they're, they're afraid to step back into church. They're afraid to be in relationship again. I pray that there's a revival and we'll see those people rise up again and, and join churches and, and get healthy again and grow again in community that we're designed to be in. But I don't know. I don't know if we're headed this way or that way. Only the Lord knows. But I think listening to Peter, we have a pretty good idea how we can please Jesus if persecution comes, if trouble comes. Now where we've been, let me review the last few weeks. Uh, Peter starts off his letter by reminding us of the great salvation we have. You guys, we have a great salvation. God has shown us great mercy. God has promised us a great inheritance. We have a great future. Man, our future is bright. You can't understate the promises of God for his children. You can't, you can't, you, you can't overstate all, all that he has for us. We have a glorious, bright, wonderful future ahead. He started that in chapter, chapter 1, the, the first 13 verses, first 12 verses. But then as Pastor Luke and Pastor Bo got into it the last few weeks, there were some exhortations here. There's some things that I, I want to remind us of that they spoke of as it leads into our sermon today. If you look at verse 13, chapter 1, verse 13, the first major exhortation in the book. Chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first, the first way we can please our Jesus, whatever the, whatever the situation is in the culture, what's ever happening here, is live in hope. Live in hope. We've gone through a wild season, a wild time in our culture, in our society a lot of doomsday scenarios, a lot of ugly things. We, we think politically or, or nationally what could happen. Our minds could get, get in a, mo, a, a, a cycle of, of just depression and darkness and doubt. As Christians, we don't go there. We'd be realists with what might happen. We, we don't pretend something might not happen, but we live in hope. We live in hope. The, the, the way that, the, the, that Luke brought this out very well, girding up your minds... You know, like getting ready, like engaging the truths that we have, living in hope. Get your head screwed on straight, in other words. If trouble comes and difficulty comes, we keep remembering that God has made us great promises. We keep remembering our bright future. We keep remembering we have an inheritance in heaven that cannot be taken away from us. It cannot spoil. It cannot fade. 
It's ours forever. Nothing can take that away. We, we live in hope. We always live in hope, no matter what comes. If the church is high on the hog, if everybody, you know, if it's the majority culture, we still live in hope for the future because we're not home yet in this world. But if we shrink and we become small in this culture, if, if Christianity in this valley becomes a minuscule thing, we live in hope. We live with the joy of the Lord because we know what's ahead. And then the second exhortation Pastor Luke talked about a few weeks ago, verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So a scenario, um, maybe our church, uh, maybe think about a church in Japan. You know, they're a minority, they're a small group. Maybe their church gets attacked. Maybe some, somebody uh, graffitis their church building or something. How do you live with that? How do you move forward in that, that reality? Uh, or, or maybe, maybe church members are, are, um, are treated poorly at work. Oh, you go to that? You're a Christian. And, and they're, they're mocked or ridiculed or scorned or treated poorly or they lose their job. How, how should we respond to that? I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, we don't respond as the world would. Where the world would take vengeance, we do not take vengeance. Where the world lives in hatred, we do not live in hatred. Where the world attacks, we do not attack. Our command is to be holy as God is holy. Our exhortation in all of our behavior is to live holy lives. Whatever happens, if we are unfair, unfairly terminated at work, we don't respond in wickedness. If our name is slandered, if our reputation is ruined, if people make up all kinds of evil things, we have, we have recourse in certain areas to say, no, that's not right. But we don't live in worldly ways. We don't respond in wickedness. We're called to be holy. Our God is holy. We're to model our lives on God. He is righteous in all his ways. He is separate from sin in all his ways. He never does evil. He always does what is right. He is the definition of right. He's the definition of good. He's the definition of love. He's the definition of holy. He is the one we follow. He's the one we model. He's the one we live with and for and to. We represent him in all of our ways. Now, honestly, um, I asked my wife in the first service before the congregation if, if you know, she thought I was holy. <laughs> She didn't think so. Uh, and honestly, I will never be holy as God is holy while I live upon this earth. I'm always a work in progress. I'm always in need of grace. I'm never going to arrive. I'm not going to pretend. None of us should pretend, be hypocrites and say that we've got it all together when we don't. Right? But our target, our goal, our emphasis, our way of living should always model Jesus Christ. Always be seeking holiness, even on Facebook. It breaks my heart to see people sometimes living in unholy ways in social media. They let their anger get the best of them. They get, let their frustration get the best of them. They let politics get under their skin and blah, 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 the bile boiling in their blood overflows and it attacks and it ruins and it destroys. Not representing Jesus Christ well. 
in all of our ways, we are to be holy. We live in hope. We live in hope and we choose holiness. No matter what our enemies do, no matter what the world comes against us with, we live righteously. We've been set free from sin. We've been set apart from sin. We've been set unto God. We choose always the holy path. We choose always to live righteously, even when we're treated unrighteously. That is our calling as Christians. That pleases the Lord our God. We trust him enough to not live as the heathen do. We trust him enough to live as he would have us live if he were in our shoes. So Pastor, Pastor Luke hit that a few weeks ago. And in verse 17, the third major exhortation in 1 Peter. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Pastor Bo uh, hit that last week. We're in exile. We're not home. We're living far from our country. We, we're living as a marginalized people in society. Uh, all the different ways he brought that out. But this verse 17, what it, what it tells us is what we shouldn't fear and what we should fear. <clears throat> when we become a minority, uh, the different churches I've seen in the different places in different countries, sometimes it's easy to, to uh, let our minds run about what the government's going to do, what the politicians are going to do. Let our minds run, and, and we, we come up with scenarios, worst-case scenarios, right? We, we let our minds run, this could happen, or this could happen, or that could happen, or that could happen. And we get into a fearful state, easily can come into a fearful state. Man, we're under attack, we're under the gun. And, and, and maybe we, we like circle the wagons and we, we hide away. We don't live on mission. We don't go on mission. We don't live as Jesus would have us live, going and seeking to make disciples. We cower in fear. But verse, seven, verse 17 tells us we should not fear man as God's people. We should not fear politicians as God's people. We should not fear the world as God's people. We should fear God. We live in the presence of God. God is our judge. God is the one we answer to. We live as a people of God. We live before the audience of one. Whatever the culture that comes down the pike the next five years, the next ten years, whatever... If they start talking nasty talk, accusing us, as has already happened, of hate speech and, and doing things in, in terrible ways, if they start legislating against us, if they start attacking us in, in ways that we don't appreciate or, or love or care for, we don't live in fear. God wants us to trust his greatness. God wants us to trust his power, his might. Because he is so great, it means he is in control. Because he is so great, it means that ultimately, whatever comes, we are safe. Okay? So, we don't fear men. But brothers and sisters, we should live in awe of God. We should live to please him. We should live to serve him. He is our judge. He's the one we'll answer to. Is he applauding us for how we're living? 
Is he approving of how we're living? I don't care what the world says. I don't care how the world looks at things. I want to be right with my God. Third major exhortation is fear your God. Don't fear people. Verse 22, and again, we're, we're running down the path. How do we live as a church in, on the margins? How do we live as a church in exile? How do we live to please our God when we become a minority in a culture? Verse 22, Pastor Bo did a great job of this last week. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. You know, uh, once we come to faith in Christ, that conversion, we, we, we come to obedience to the cross, come to obedience to the gospel. And as we live by Jesus' commands, we're sanctified. As we live by Jesus' Jesus commands, we're, we're changed over time. And as we're changed, one of the byproducts is, is we start to love other people. You know, before I came to Christ, I didn't love you. I, I, I was all about me before I came to Christ. Even after I came to Christ, oftentimes it was still about me. <laughs> but as we're transformed and changed by the Spirit in our midst, by the grace of God, by the sanctifying power, we start to have this, this heart for others, a concern for others, a desire to, to, to bless others as we've been blessed. And so, so Peter takes that, that, that reality and he says, choose to love others earnestly love one another, fervently love one another. That's the church. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We've been bought with the blood of Christ. We belong to God. We are one family now. We're a faith family. We're a faith community. We're a spiritual house. To stand in the darkness, to stand against persecution, we can't have any more of that Lone Ranger Christianity. We can't have a Christianity where people live individually, separate from one another. That is not healthy. That is not God's plan. That is not God's desire for the church. All the one another commands in Scripture, you can't live those out by yourself. You live those out in community. We live in a culture, of course, that uh, mitigates against God's desires in a sense that it's so individualistic that uh, sometimes all we are is this, this, this group of people that leave from our garages at, at you know, 7.45 in the morning. And we get back at, at 5.30 at night. We enter our garages and they never see us again. Hidden from the world, separate from the world, separate from the body of Christ. That is not healthy Christianity. That's not how it's supposed to be done. We're supposed to love one another fervently and earnestly give our lives away from one another. And think about it. If, 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 if you get isolated and alone as a minority in a, in a culture that hates you, how will you stand? You need brothers and sisters to have your back. You need a faith family to be praying for you, to be supporting you emotionally and financially. You need a people in your corner. Peter's writing to a people that, you know fiery trials. They're, they are experiencing persecution. And he calls those people who are going, to that, going through those things to love one another passionately and seriously and earnestly to be the church for one another. Brothers and sisters, if you are outside of the communion right now, if you are not living in community, 
in some way, a Bible study, a, com a, a community group, a life group, if you're, if you're not participating in the body of Christ, if, if nobody knows your stuff, if nobody knows your problems, if nobody knows your issues, that's a problem. How can they be praying for you? How can they be serving you? How can they be loving you if you're not in the body, part of the family of faith? So that's a big exhortation that, that, uh, that Peter brings to the table. And that leads us into today's sermon. Chapter 2, verse 1, please. Chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> so, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. The fifth major exhortation in Peter is to, de to desire God's word. Now, verse 1, it, it kind of carries over from the exhortation in verse 22. Love one another earnestly, fervently. Uh, Paul, uh, Peter calls the church to live in ways of love. And so here in verse 1, he says you need to dump some of these vices that break community. You need to get rid of some of these characteristics, some of these ways of living that destroy community. So he's calling them to good habits. He's saying get rid of your bad habits. So he starts with malice. Put away all malice from your body, from your church. Now, malice, it's like an ill, Ill intent towards somebody. It's a bad intention towards somebody. Even wanting somebody to go through bad times or, or wishing the worst on somebody. And you have to ask, why is Peter talking to the church and calling them not to live that way? Shouldn't they know that already? Are they living that way? Sometimes when life gets difficult and stressful and you feel overwhelmed... Um, sometimes you can live in ways that aren't good. Uh, this last year, we've gone through a season that's been pretty intense, haven't we? This last season, this last year, we've gone through a very divisive time in our country, but also a very divisive time in some churches. Uh, it could be that even to this day, um, there's division in our midst. Division over masks or, or division over politics. Division over who you voted for. And it's possible. I, I, I'm confident, I'm hopeful it's not in, in this congregation, the people sitting around here. But it's possible that some of you might have some malice in your hearts toward those who voted for the other side. It's possible that some of you might have some hatred, some malice in your hearts towards those who wear masks or don't wear masks. How could they? How could they? You realize, of course, that in our church we have Democrats and Republicans worshiping the same God here. Did the walls just fall in? That we have people from both political parties in our midst right now, they're lifting up the name of Jesus. We don't want to do anything that, that will break the community of Jesus. 
We want to get rid of all community-breaking behaviors. And so if there's malice in your heart towards somebody, even now, repent of that wickedness. It has no place in the body of Christ. Now, of course, it's good to dialogue about politics. It's good to discuss things like that. It's good to have an open conversation, but in love, especially in the church, to have the freedom to talk and not be fake, to have the freedom to be transparent and be real, but to live in malice. If you live in malice, you're not loving your brother and sister. You're breaking them down. Repent. Get rid of all deceit, trickery, pretending, lying. That couldn't happen in a church, could it? That couldn't be part of us, could it? Yes, it could. If that's something you're living with right now, something you're doing, repent. That destroys community when there's not honesty, when there's not real open communication. Here's where I stand. If you're lying to get ahead, if you're lying to be looked at in a certain way, repent. That doesn't belong in Jesus' church. Same for the other virtues <laughs> that we need to get rid of. Hypocrisy, pretending to have it all together when we don't. Wouldn't it be beautiful to come to church and people say, yeah, I, I'm depressed today. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm broken. I, I, I fell apart last night. How about you? A church that, that pretends is not a church I want to be part of. A church that is a bunch of hypocrites pretending to be something they're not. I don't want to be part of that. Do you want to be part of that? I want to be part of a real people, a transparent people. You see, when we open ourselves up to our brokenness and our hardships and our difficulties, that gives other people permission to open themselves up to their brokenships, their hardships and difficulties. And they can be real together and we can grow together and we can transform together. And it's a beautiful thing when that, that kind of community is present. So we have to get rid of any lies or hypocrisy or envy and slander. Man, slander. When you drag someone's, someone's name through the mud, when, when you try to ruin their reputation... Or libel, the sister, you know, slander, verbally libel on Facebook. You know, I, I, I went away from Facebook for a little while, and, and it was a great season. Man, then I went back on Facebook, and I was like, oh, we still have Christians in my, in my church that are ripping on each other. I don't like that very much. When your anger gets a hold of you and your frustration gets a hold of you or, or that, political, that political thing in you, you just want to vent and, and you attack a brother or sister, may it not be. That is not the love that Jesus calls us to. That's not a healthy church. That's not a vibrant church. That's not a, a, a church that pleases our Savior. Get rid of that vice. Dump that virtue if that's in you to go on Facebook or social media and behind the, the, uh, behind the keyboard tear people apart because of their, their, their stances, don't do that. Go talk to that person individually if you must. Go dialogue. Go share life and, and ask questions. 
but do not be that kind of people that breaks community. Get rid of these, these community-destroying behaviors. So that's tied to that exhortation in verse 22, and then he moves on to the fifth major exhortation, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in your salvation. <clears throat> Desire God's word. Desire Jesus' teachings. Desire to know God better. Hunger for that which transforms. Long for that that changes you from the inside out. Oh, pastor, I know what you're talking about. You're saying you want me to study my Bible more. Yeah, <laughs> I am saying that. But you realize that the people he's writing to don't have Bibles. When did the printing press come about? Was that the 15th century or 16th century? Right, somewhere in there? Uh, all the Bibles they had back then, all the scripture they had in Peter's time was mostly the Old Testament, and it was handwritten by, by different groups. Um, most of the people he's writing to are also illiterate. They don't have Bibles to study. And so he's calling them to get spiritual milk, to long for spiritual milk that transform in any way they can. One of the big ways that these people would get, would get fed was through sermons. Uh, one of the big ways they get fed is through the council of brothers and sisters who would speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. They get spiritual sustenance by praying, listening to the voice of God. In other words, hungering for God, hungering for God's voice, hungering for God's teachings, hungering for God's truth to transform. It changes you. It grows you up. It transforms you. Um, I, I step back from this, and, and the emphasis is on desiring spiritual milk so that we can grow, grow up. Now, he's not calling these people babies. And you guys, as you listen to this, he's not calling you babies, even though maybe some of us are babies still in the faith. But he's, he's, he's emphasizing, man, you need to keep growing. You need to keep changing. You need to keep developing in your faith. You need to grow up in your salvation. As we'll see next week, the reason we need to grow up in our salvation is so we can serve God better and glorify God better. But, but stepping back from that and talking about growth, where are you guys now? Have you grown this last year? I, I mean, the, the elements are, I guess, the environment, the setting has been right for growth. We've been put under great pressure, but had great disappointments, great discouragements. We've gone through trials. We've gone through a lot of fear and anxiety. Typically, in, the, in that environment, uh, we turn to God. Typically in that environment, we, we, we cry out to God. Typically in that environment, we seek for God. But where have you guys been the last year? Have you been growing? Or, or are you the same place you were last year? Uh, e even the idea that, that maybe some of us have regressed. And you remember those times when, when, you, when you maybe were you're on fire for the Lord, you were memorizing Bible verses, you were bringing truth into your life, you couldn't wait you know, to, to go to your group or go to your Bible study because the things you were learning and, and you're growing and you're changing. Is that where you guys are now? Peter, Peter calls a church on the margins who is facing persecution. He's saying, you guys got to grow. You guys got to take this seriously. 
You guys got to be built up in the faith so when the trials and tribulation comes, you can stand. You can stand in your faith. You can be the church that stands together. <clears throat> so, uh, isn't it wild all the resources we have at our fingertips today? Like how many, if you go home, even you pull out your smartphone now, how, how many hundreds of thousands of podcasts do you have at your fingertips? Or, or how, many, how many sermons could you listen to, like great sermons that you could listen to at any time, the Word of God, the, the, the Christian music resources that we have today, the great hymn book of the faith from centuries ago until today, all the Christian lyrics that are, that are so edifying and so, so glorifying the God that we can access at any time. We, we, ha we can get on the phone and talk to one another. And I had this question, you know, I have people call me up, hey, pastor, what do you think of this? What's the, and I, I can give my feedback and we can contact each other and edify one another so quickly. Peter says, long for that. Long for that. Now, uh, maybe uh, you're saying, okay, uh, but how do, I get, how do I make myself crave that? You know, it says long for it. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't crave what is good for us. Like, you know what? I hate kale. You people that put kale on your salads, what are you thinking? That stuff's evil. You know, but uh, having a different perspective, I can, I can handle it. I can, I can, okay, I guess I can eat my salad. So how, how, do, we, how do we get that craving? How, how do we build that up? And I think it starts with prayer. We so badly need spiritual nourishment so that we grow, so that we can glorify God, so that we can stand in the storm, so that we can stand in the trials. We so badly need that spiritual nourishment. But, but how do we, get, I think we pray, God, right now I'm not hungry for you, you, you or your word. Change that in me. You know, God already knows. You can be transparent in your prayers. You can be real in your prayers. God, I, I, I find Bible study boring right now. I find your word boring and, and I, I struggle to get into it. Would you change my heart? Would you open up my mind? Would you open up my eyes to see? God wants you to be real with him. Not pretend. Just go to him directly and, and tell him what you're dealing with. God, I, 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 I just can't get into it. Change my heart. Uh, the other way to think about that is, is uh, in verse 3 it says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Bible study lately or, or, or getting into prayer, listening for God's voice, just being silent before God, maybe you don't have a taste for it now. Maybe you need to reacquire that taste. How do you reacquire that taste, that hunger for, for truth and for God's nourishment, for God's, for God's teachings to come into your life? Well, uh, you need to start eating. <laughs> you need to start drinking. One, one way to go about getting, acquiring that taste is, is, yes, start a new Bible study. Do a three-month study. Join a community group. Join a Bible study. Participate with other believers. You know, one of the beautiful ways to whet your appetite for what's good is to spend time with people who are in it already. So maybe you're dry right now. Maybe you're separated from, from the Word right now. So join a community group where people are hungry for the Word, where they're tasting the Word, where they're eating the Word, where they're drinking the Word, where they're passionate. They're, all, they're, they're excited about Jesus. You know, some of you, I think, right now are, are maybe dry and you're not in the Word because of your peers. You've surrounded yourself with people that don't give a rip about the Word of God. Maybe you've surrounded yourself with people that never open the Bible. Maybe you've surrounded yourself with people that never pray. 
Isn't it crazy to think where you are today when you don't pray? How did that happen? Maybe it's your peers, the people you're surrounding yourself with. Peter says, long for the teaching of Jesus. Long for the voice of God through his word and his spirit. Long for it. Um, there's, there's different ways to go about that. But the, 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 the end goal is growth. Let, let me talk about growth a little bit. Um, we, uh, we as Christians, sometimes in this culture, we put a lot of emphasis on numerical growth, don't we? We put a lot of em emphasis on we want more people in our church. We want more people present. And, you know, I, I can make an argument that that's a good thing. You read the book of Acts and you see a lot of numbers. 3,000 came to Christ. These people came to Christ. These people, you know, that church was growing and expanding. I can make an argument for that. But unfortunately, in a lot of churches, right, the, the church is a mile wide, as the saying goes, but an inch deep. I mean, there's a lot of cultural Christians or a lot of people that show up and they fill seats, but they're very weak in their faith. They don't, they don't have a deep faith. They, they don't have a, a living faith. They, they don't have a vibrant faith. They, they, they don't have a close relationship with God. I want a church that is a mile wide and a mile deep. That's what scripture wants. God deserves more worshipers. God deserves more people singing in his praise. I want to see as many people in the San Luis Valley come to Christ and become worshipers of Jesus as possible. I hope our church grows by leaps and bounds in the number of people that join our faith fellowship that tie into this family of faith because that's the best life possible for them. God deserves that worship and praise, but, but you asked me the priority. When I look at what Peter's saying here, the priority is spiritual growth. The priority, the kind of growth we want to see in this church is a priority. It's us drawing nearer to Jesus, knowing Jesus better, walking with Jesus more intimately, hearing the voice of God, being obedient to Jesus, having a real dynamic relationship with God, becoming mature in Christ. I want us all to become mature in Jesus Christ. I think if we are a mature church, a healthy church that loves like Jesus loves and serves like Jesus, church, Jesus serves, won't our church also grow wider? <laughs> Because people are hungry for love. They're hungry for truth. But if we don't have the capacity to love, if we don't have the capacity to share truth, why would they join us? We can never put on a show like the world does. So the emphasis is on you becoming somebody who prioritizes transformation in your life, spiritual growth, prioritizes taking in the things the nurturing, the sustenance, the milk that grows you up into the man of God that God wants you to be, the woman of God that God wants you to be. Can I, can I share the big, biggest obstacle to this uh, that I've seen as a pastor? The biggest challenge to this? Because what Peter's asking us to do is, is set aside time in our life to practice these disciplines of Bible reading, to practice these, these disciplines of being in community with one another, to practice prayer, to live out these lifestyles. Can I tell you the biggest obstacle that I've seen, and unfortunately over my time here at, at Living Water, 
Um, I've heard it hundreds of times. Pastor, I'd love to grow. Pastor, I'd love to be part of a study. Pastor, I'd love to learn how to pray more, but I'm too busy. The biggest obstacle that we hear in the Western culture here, I'm too busy. Yeah, man, I'd love to start praying, but you know how busy I am right now. Man, I'd love to start meeting in a group and learning the Bible. I'd love to start to go to church on a regular basis, but I'm too busy. I'd love to know God better, but I'm too busy. And just stop right there for a second. You wonder how God is hearing that. The maker and creator of heaven and earth, the one who made us in his image, the one who is drawn near to us by his grace. How how is he hearing those words coming out of our mouth? I'd like to know God better. I'd I'd like to, to worship him, but I'm just too busy. Makes me cry too. I mean, I mean, think about that. If I told my, my daughters that growing up, when they're growing up, hey, Mandy, I'd love to spend time with you, but I'm just, I'm just way too busy. Or my son, I'd love to be with you. I'd love to get to know you better. I'd love to, to share my love with you, but I'm just too busy. Imagine how they'd react to that. I mean, what Peter's calling us to do is to get to know God better. What Peter's calling us to emphasize is the relationship with God, to be nourished on his teachings, on his truth, on his word. And, and how does God hear that? Um, yeah, God, man, you're awesome, but I'm too busy for you. Or put it in some of the parables. Uh, you know, Jesus gives us one talent or two talents or five talents. You know, one day we'll stand before the bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and, and Jesus will ask us, what did you do with my talents? You know, your gifts, your skills, your experiences, your spiritual gifts, you know, those kind of things. What did you do with that talent? Well, I really wanted to use what I have for you, Jesus. I really wanted to do it, but unfortunately I was too busy. I had too many other things going on. Sorry, how is Jesus going to respond to that? Not well. Now, now hear me, hear me. This, this is a grace-based church. This is a grace-based sermon. This is not a legalistic thing. You cannot earn God's favor by how much harder you work. You cannot earn God's favor. You cannot earn salvation by, by trying harder or being more spiritual or whatever. It's grace. We've already received his salvation. But man, I hate the word busy. Because it takes time to invest in a small group. It takes time to invest reading your Bible. It takes time to pray. And those things that are taking priority in your life, what what are they? How do they compare to God? Now, again, hear, hear me well. We understand there's seasons in life. Like there's seasons we have babies and they keep you up all night. <laughs> and you just can't get into the Word. Or maybe you're remodeling your house. And you better get that cabinet done before your wife kills you. Okay? You better get that drywall put up. Or, or maybe you're moving to a new job and there's just a season. Maybe you're starting a new work and, and you got a, maybe you got a kid sick at home and a deadline at work. And we all understand seasons. Maybe there's a couple weeks where you're not drawing near to God. Maybe there's a couple weeks where you're, where, you're, where you're not close to God or putting yourself in a position to grow. But what if that season turns into a month? 
What if that season turns into three months? It's not good for the soul. We need sustenance. We need God in our life. And so I ask you, brothers and sisters, to reflect on your busyness. There's a lot of good things that you're doing in your lives. But if all these good things are crowding out your relationship with Jesus, if all these good things are crowding out your relationship with the living God, something else needs to go. Something needs to be removed from your life so you can be with your God. What would that be in your life? What needs to change so you can be present with your God, be changed in His presence and transformed in His presence, transformed by the voice of God and the words of God and the teachings of Jesus? It takes time to be busy with Jesus. Would you stand in His presence? Lord God Almighty, we, uh, we think of those kids over there in uh, the Sprung Building right now uh, hearing the Word of God and, and being in the presence of God. <clears throat> Lord God, may you give them a hunger. May you give them a passion to seek you and to serve you. Lord God, as, as parents in this room, as relatives in this room, may you give us a passion to serve you and seek you. Lord God Almighty, may, may you give us that, that, that zeal, that zest, that hunger, that longing for the teachings of Jesus, for the voice of God, for the presence of the Spirit, for the teachings of God. Give us that desire for the Word, Lord. It transforms us and changes us. And may you make in this church a healthy church, a mature church, a church that you're pleased with as you transform us with your truth. Lord God Almighty, send us out in the world today to glorify and honor you. Send us out into our families today. This next week, send us into school, Lord, to, to glorify you. Send us into our workplace to glorify you. And uh, we pray that you would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise as more and more worshipers enter your kingdom. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting with us today. Bless us as we go. We say thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.